iCube Radio. Slow down, Pete, you're killing them. Look, I found her. Damn, red coat. Look, I found her. Mike, when are you going to apologize for the million Iraqis that are dead because you lied? Yeah, apparently when you die, there's a chemical that floods your brain, and it's the same chemical that's in pussy juice. <laughs> it makes you trip. It makes you trip, dude. If you go down on a girl, you'll go fucking insane 25 years later. That's why I don't do that shit. Not only that, it's gay, too. Because I always feel like running. Not away. Because there's no such place. Because if there was, I would have found it by now. But nobody seems to know. It sums up the strange mood of our time, where nothing really makes any coherent sense. We live with a constant vaudeville of contradictory stories that makes it impossible for any real opposition to emerge. Christian murderers gone, Maryland giant death factories keeping babies alive and selling their body parts. What more do you need to know about these people? Hi, On it now, I'm live on it. Oh, good. Hello everyone and welcome to a new and very late episode of the Haiku Podcast. I'm sorry it's been a while. Um, I've moved countries. Um, there's a lot of sort of life admin to deal with. But all good. I think it's been about six months. Um, but I'm going to sort of kick this channel back up again now. Um, also the YouTube channel as well. I've got three videos in the making at the moment. Uh, one is very long. One is about... Um, about an hour long more than an hour I think so far and another two scripts are some shorter ones which should be out very soon um, so I'm looking forward to all that looking forward to the new year definitely will sort of concentrate on getting everything back in order making sure that I kind of deliver podcasts and stuff the sort of I suppose motivation to get behind it was already a recent sort of news report that 2022 was like the worst year for new podcasts 80% dip from its previous year so it kind of motivated me to like sort of get back on it and see what's up um i'm gonna sort of release these weekly now i think the podcasts are quite a good way to keep me motivated keep me focused on the project as a whole of high coop um and yeah just sort of cover some new stories some stuff that's been happening the week give my take on it or sort of some other funny stuff that i've come across on the internet so just a recap i suppose of stuff i've kind of missed on the podcast i haven't really covered the biggest one probably was the queen the queen died during my sort of hiatus um obviously if you listen to previous podcasts my opinion on the queen is pretty pretty easy to guess i'm a republican in the english sense um yeah i don't believe in a monarchy i don't believe in sort of people inheriting power i think it's a bad precedent to have um but what i found interesting with the queen dying that sort of whole saga that happened in england i was actually in england during her uh, funeral i had to attend a wedding um 
as I was there during the whole period. It was a very weird period in England. It felt very North Korea-y. Every news channel was locked out. You can only watch. Um, you can only watch the Buckingham Palace from afar. There was different sort of shots of the palace. Nothing was happening. Just they would keep it on the news the whole time, and they would just have um, just live shots of the Queen. People walking past it. People, I don't know, just people just sort of morning outside camping outside for no real reason it was very absurd it was really weird to watch every channel was sort of just focused on the queen's death the queen's death i think they just made it it was kind of one of those like news stories that kind of feeds itself where they wanted it to be huge news um so to do that they just put it on the news all the time even though i generally felt the sentiment in england was like oh it's a shame but you know who cares um you know there's a huge cost of living crisis in england um, energy bills went sky, sky high, ridiculously high, which I felt like occupied people's more mental space than the Queen dying. Um, but the news, you know, obviously used the Queen's death as a way to sort of distract people away from the actual issue, such as the energy bills, the cost of living crisis, etc. So yeah, it's a real weird time to be there. Um, there was a lot of sort of marches and parades, a lot of funny stuff happened on them. One of them, um, a guy shouted, Andrew Upedo, as he was walking past. And what I find really weird and sort of another clear example of why this family is a very corrupt little gangster family. They control England. Is that guy that actually shouted that. The guy that shouted, Andrew Upedo. He got investiga- investigated by the police and subsequently charged, I believe. Or there was another guy that threw an egg at Andrew as well. He definitely got charged, but I'm not sure if the guy that shouted pedo got charged. But he still got investigated by the police, which is something Andrew never had to deal with. It's found very odd. It's very weird to see Andrew there in the whole midst of it, sort of being uh, treated as a royal, despite his heinous crimes against children, which goes to show the sort of influence and power that royal family have in terms of the law they can pretty much do what they want um another interesting thing that happened after the queen died i felt was there was a huge um public discourse erupted over republicanism um obviously charles the heir to the throne isn't as well liked or even closely as popular as queen elizabeth was to the rest of the public um so he had a lot of people were sort of questioning the Royal Institute as a whole after the Queen died. I think after the Queen died, it was always going to be a point of, you know, contention for the Royal Family, their existence anyway, um, to have why they're here. Um, but yeah, it was weird because every time there was a, a debate about republicanism, it was always shot down be like, this isn't the right time. Which is very reminiscent for me of the sort of school shootings in America. As soon as a classroom full of kids gets annihilated by bullets... People always ask, you know, is this the right time to ban guns? And the retort is always the same. This is not the right time to talk about it. How dare you talk about it right now? When for me, it seems like the most obvious time to talk about it is straight after the big news of that family. The Royal Family are hardly ever in the news, Um, you know, except for Andrew being a pedo, of course. Um, But then the Queen dying was probably the biggest news story from the Royal Family or concerning the Royal Family in um, generations. And so I felt that every talk of republicanism or every sort of uh even very subtle discourse going in that direction like you know is this really necessary anymore very politely was always shut down with a very like weird this isn't the right time how dare you bring that up which i thought was very weird um and then after that obviously harry released his uh, autobiography 
which is um very weird. I mean, my opinion on Harry is I think, you know, I think he obviously hates the royal family. He's not a big fan of it. They obviously killed his mother, supposedly, according to some websites, which, you know, I might believe. Um, but they... Yeah, he, he released an autobiography, a damning autobiography, apparently. That all he really did was expose the royal family. I mean, I have never read it, of course, but just sort of excerpts or sort of people's critique of it is basically that he just sort of exposes, you know, in inverted commas, the royal family as this sort of... Um, as this weird, like, um, you know, racist family and stuff. But there is a very odd excerpt in that story. Um, I'll try and find it now quickly where it's very i mean i saw this on twitter um i saw this on twitter but the the weird thing about it is it's very oedipus is kind of the way it was described um i can't find it now um but yeah it's uh it's very oedipus it's very kind of weird basically i can't really find the clip at the moment but you'll be able to find it on twitter he basically compares he he was obviously in the army or something and something went wrong with his junk you know his dick or something um and then actually wait there, i'm gonna pause this i'm gonna find the clip actually it will do more justice rather than me explain it sorry guys um so i found the clip very weird clip let me just play it for a second my penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized the last place I wanted to be was Frostnipistan. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. I found the tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. And I took a smidge and applied it down there. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. The last place I wanted to be was Frostnipistan. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lip. Yeah, so you get the idea. Uh, very weird sort of uh, way of describing an incident. Obviously putting his penis and his mother's lips together in the same sentence. Wasn't going to go down well. Obviously, royalists have picked this up and sort of gone haywire with it, calling him an Oedipus, sort of the new Oedipus of the royal family. But, you know, I don't think incest is such a huge surprise to the royal family anyway. But yeah, so that was the royal family news, I suppose. Very unhinged family as usual. It's crushing of republicanism, the talk of that. And uh, Harry's little buck there, which has caused a huge ruckus. Uh, another big story I probably missed, which I would have covered on the podcast, was uh, Kanye West's unhinged rants. Obviously, I'm not going to play them because I don't want to get banned. Um, <laughs> I've got about 20 listeners, that's it. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the thing with Kanye West sort of thing, I'm a fan of Kanye West's music. I think he's um, definitely one of the most sort of um, innovative and sort of creative hip-hop artists in recent history. Um, also production wise as well he's very talented um, but yeah I feel kind of half of me sort of oscillates between the two emotions of like what the fuck he's definitely got a very weird messiah complex he definitely is, thinks he's here to change the world and um, reinvent music or something or thinks he is doing this or whatever and obviously he gets a lot of feedback of being a creative genius and he is definitely you know creative genius in some aspects 
But he sort of got unhinged rants. The anti-Semitism um, was crazy. There's no way it's like... I don't know how to say it, but like I don't think there's any way that it's him talking as much as sort of like that sort of fame-hungry side of him. That sort of attention-needing, that way that wants to grab headlines. That soul of him that's sort of um, at the forefront of his psyche there, I suppose. Uh, the sort of weird thing about that was seen on the Alex Jones show um, in the morph suit talking about Jews and Hitler and stuff and how Alex Jones was the one that was kind of mediating the one that was kind of the one that sounded uh, the most responsible there the most responsible adult in the room that sounds very weird it was a very weird thing to sort of hear if someone said that six months before you would see Kanye West in a morph suit talking about Hitler on the Alex Jones show and Alex Jones would be the one that was stumped and didn't really have was sort of left speeches I would have thought it was crazy but you know that's the time we live in very weird uh but i suppose my general sort of overarching opinion on it is i feel kind of bad for him obviously he's a very famous guy he's very uh you know he gets a lot of attention in the media and stuff and i feel kind of bad for him that he's he's obviously going through a psychosis a psychotic episode and he can't have that in private he's sort of not been able to have that in private a sort of luxury that i suppose us we could all have instead he's um he has to have it live streamed and sort of documented and microphones everywhere and put on podcasts and here and there um when they are just sort of insane ramblings so yeah i mean i'm so glad he's kind of gone out the limelight like now sort of kind of disappeared into obscurity i hope he gets better and sort of continues making music i suppose that's it yeah it's kind of sad but very sort of weird news story um another one sort of as a podcast fan um, which was weird, which sort of happened when I left, sort of that the sort of break I took, about five months, six months, whatever, uh, was the fall of Cumtown. I was a huge, I suppose I'm still a huge fan of Cumtown. I think Nick Mullen is one of the funniest, or probably is the funniest person on the planet. Um, he's hilarious. But obviously, I think when I left, Stav left Cumtown, um, which at the time I didn't really think would be a big issue. Stav wasn't like the, the big one of Cumtown. Um, he was kind of like the one that I don't know. He's very funny. He's kind of the laugh track, I suppose, a glorified laugh track. I don't really think on his own he's funny. His new podcast isn't that good, really. It's kind of just like stabby soldier problems again. But I don't know. He's got kind of a safe, safe humor now. But I suppose you wanted to distance himself from Nick and Adam um, in order to sort of uh, develop his own comedic career, which I suppose is fair if he wants. But also, I was kind of like, bro, you was picking up like thousands thousands of dollars a week just to sit around and tell gay jokes for an hour straight or two hours straight or whatever and he was complaining about that seemed like a bit of a bitch move but anyway so he left and then i was like okay whatever who really gives a shit i mean i, I thought they could probably replace staff pretty easily they could have just had like a a round table of guests like different guests on i mean obviously nick is boys with a lot of funny people tim dylan shane gillis uh louis gomez the sort of legion of skanks crew um so I, I thought that maybe they could have just done that. But instead they went for like an Adam Friedland show. And Adam's not the funniest one at all. And I suppose it was kind of a funny bit at the start. Like let's make the least funny podcast member the star of the show. But it's just fallen apart. I don't even know what it is now. It's kind of weird. It's um, I haven't really listened to it in ages. I was a very devout Town fan. Patreon supporter. Everything. Listen to every episode. Would seek out the older episodes. Would listen to anything with Nick Mullen on. Um, so it's really weird that in just a matter of like a few months 
I don't really give a shit about it anymore. The Adam Freeland show is just not. It's all over the place. I think it's kind of like a weird talk show, but not really. I mean, it can't really be a talk show. I felt like they were going for that, like, kind of, um, what's that show called? Andre something. It's quite funny on Adult Swim. But anyway, that, that talk show is kind of a good idea. It's very absurd and weird and stuff, but the, the presenter has a lot of charm. Adam's kind of got like a very like stoner, hey bro, kind of charm, um, which doesn't really carry the show very well. Um, they've also had some guests on there, but I feel like they've just kind of blew it and it hasn't really that good. And it's super inconsistent as well. I mean, I know I'm, you know, also very inconsistent, but they make a lot more money than I do. I don't know, so I thought it'd be cool. But I don't know, it's a very sort of sad, weird thing. I love Come Town. I love Nick Mullen. I hope he gets back on it soon. And I hope, I hope they just bring back Come Town. Like just bring it back. Just change your guests every week instead. Just have Nick, Adam, and some other person riffing together. Um, it seemed like such a simple, easy formula that now they've kind of overcomplicated it. And it feels a lot like Nick's manic episode um, that they're just piling money in and they're just going broke off it, which is kind of a, a large, funny bit, I suppose, in itself. But yeah, I don't really get what it's happening at the moment. I hope this ages badly and I hope in six months I'm preaching about how fucking good the show is and stuff but yeah it just seems like a really weird sort of change in things um and i suppose lastly sort of a big story i kind of missed while i was away it's very weird sort of three stories i've chose so far the queen kanye and Town. okay but yeah the last sort of story i missed was china um a lot of shit happened in china they had that zero covid policy which was a disaster from the outset really um they scrapped that after protests with pieces of paper which made me respect the chinese people a lot more i thought it was pretty awesome to see um they basically were hand they were showing blank pieces of white paper um as a form of protest because they can't protest so in itself it became an act of protest just to hold up a plain white piece of paper which i thought was pretty ingenious and cool um to end the lockdown the lockdown was obviously immiserating millions um it was just stalling the economy stalling the housing market stalling everything um they weren't allowed to travel they weren't allowed to leave they're the strictest policy in the whole world it seemed like the whole world was ahead and over it and they were still in the the dirt basically sort of like nah we need to do lockdown but obviously um they protest and then they lifted it very abruptly which is kind of weird to see that china's government's reaction to protests was a lot faster and swifter and quicker than a lot of Western governments' reactions to protests. Obviously, we protest in England. We're allowed to protest in England. We're allowed to scream, write the fuck we want. We can shout, fuck the Queen, fuck Boris Johnson, fuck um, Rishi Sunak, anything we want, basically. Um, but they're so ineffective in England, they are really just pointless. We kind of have it like a, it's kind of like a, ah, we scream and then nothing happens. Whereas China's one was kind of effective. I think they're just super, they're so scared of any sight. Uh, sign of dissidence and it's spreading that they don't have absolute control that it's kind of a weird paradox that as soon as they lose a tiny bit of control they will just be like okay fine we'll give in there you go so they reverse their zero covid policy thing which is good but the problem with that which has happened now is their vaccines were shit they were terrible they um most countries adopted the mrna vaccines like pfizer or moderna and stuff which have their own problems and stuff i suppose but um, in terms of like protecting against COVID or reducing symptoms overall, they were a lot better and a lot more effective. China's uh, vaccine model was the sterilized virus put into the body so the immune system could kind of like trigger it, which is a sort of different sort of vaccine as a whole. But 
you know, it obviously wasn't very good because they um, they opened up everything. They sort of just stopped it in its tracks and it completely just, you know, decimated everyone now. Like there's record deaths. They believe a million people have died already. Obviously, figures are very hard to get up. China, China aren't very transparent with anything. Even with the origins of COVID, it's like the worst country to actually COVID to originate from was China because of how like obscure and how much they obfuscate, obfuscate the uh, data and stuff when it first comes out. But the data at the moment isn't very good. It shows around a million deaths already just from when they stopped lockdown about a month and a half ago. Um, or not even that, it's about a month ago, shit. Wow. Um, and yet COVID is spreading like wildfire. Their vaccines do nothing. Their hospitals weren't prepared for it. It seems like a very sort of lose-lose situation for Xi. If he kept the lockdown, he obviously knew. Um, I suppose it's like multifaceted. He kind of knew that the vaccines weren't very good. So if he opened up, that there'd be mass hospitalizations. But at the same time, he couldn't adopt the mRNA vaccines because they weren't developed in China. He wanted his country to be seen as the sort of the king of vaccines or something. So he didn't want to get their vaccines. And then also the third prong of that was like, oh yeah, but if we open up, which they end up doing because they had to over public pressure, um, they just got exposed completely. Like their vaccines weren't very good and they were completely unprepared. Um, it really could sort of, I think the situation is still growing. There's definitely a lot more growing anger in China. I think like outspoken, just people I know from China, sort of expats that live with me in the area I am, um, have a lot of, he's very hated. I think even just five years ago, if you said Xi Jinping was a piece of shit, Chinese people would be quite passionate about that. They'd be like, nah, what the fuck, bro? Chill. But now the sentiment's gone the other way. I think just Chinese abroad definitely are a lot more outspoken about Xi Jinping, him just being incompetent. And I think the one way to piss off Chinese people is incompetence and sort of like, you know, like losing face so fast like she has with his sort of uh, refusal to admit how bad the vaccines were and his refusal to sort of uh, prepare for the pandemic. When it came, which everyone knew was going to come, it would just wipe everyone out and stuff. Um, they're trying to rush herd immunity now, which isn't sort of a guarantee. It's a slower process than I think Xi Jinping even wants to admit. Um, so I think it's kind of one of those things that will be developing slowly. Um, sort of, you know, see where it goes. It's a story that hasn't finished yet, but it is interesting to see the growing dissent, open dissent against Xi Jinping from both in China and outside China, which is, it gives me cause for optimism, I hope. I hope China fight the good fight and kick that bastard out. Um, but yeah, that brings me to more recent stories I've seen on the news. Um, the main one being the Chinese spy balloon over America, which is a weird story, I think. Um, it's weird for a couple of reasons. Sort of going back to that COVID disaster that sort of happened and took over China. I would say the Chinese spy balloon is definitely something that is sort of part of a bigger plan, I would say. Um, I think China's sort of um, plan now uh, with their domestic issues will be to sort of turn, galvanize the public with an enemy from outside kind of point of view. Obviously, they have Taiwan always sort of lurking there. Um, I don't believe they'll invade Taiwan soon. I'm actually making a video on that very topic. Um, but I think that they're definitely going to try and galvanize and unite the domestic public with a threat from outside, namely America and the West and NATO, etc., etc. Obviously, their partnership in Russia, they've pretty much cemented their anti-NATO sentiment uh, and stuff like that. Um, the Chinese spy balloon, weird for a different reason as well, is it's a very sort of... Um, 
I don't know. It's one of those sort of absurd things that kind of like it, ha- like it's very obvious. It's very there, and people are just kind of like dumbfounded, like what, like what the fuck? It's like a very obvious spy balloon. Um, China's defense, obviously, they haven't admitted it's a spy balloon. Their defense was, um, oh, it's a weather balloon. It's a meteorological balloon. We're just observing the atmosphere. We're studying the atmosphere and weather patterns. Da, 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 da. Um, which is funny about that is that that was the exact excuse Americans used to use in the Cold War. Um, when they used to fly their B-2 spy planes over Russia and the pilots would be dressed as just, you know, standard scientists that wouldn't have any Air Force uniform or anything like that. Um, their excuse was also then like, oh, we're just studying changes in the atmosphere. We're just studying the weather patterns. Da, 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 da. So China's literally took a, an excuse from about 60 years ago and applying it now to their own uh, spy balloon in America. Um, obviously, a lot of people were sort of seeing what the sort of motivation for this was it's very obvious stupid spy balloon some people obviously it was over montana for some parts and stuff um and people were like maybe they're just sort of montana's apparently where they keep the nuclear arms in america so maybe they're trying to do that but even that doesn't make sense like it's pretty known where america keep their nuclear arms and nuclear arsenal and stuff it isn't a secret that it used to be anymore because no one's as stupid to go for that basically um, so a lot of people sort of assumed it was kind of just to judge how Joe Biden would react to a very clear um, intrusion into American airspace by a Chinese spy apparatus, whatever it is, spy monitor thing. Um, and obviously shut it down, which was kind of the best thing to do. I think he probably should have done it sooner. Um, but what was weird about the sort of revelations of this coming out was apparently those three or four spy balloons during Donald Trump's presidency. Um, and he didn't even he didn't just not disclose it he didn't tell the public and he didn't do anything about it either so he was way more softer on china intruding into american airspace than joe biden which i think is something that people often forget a lot that china donald trump and china he was very vocal against his criticisms against china but in terms of action I mean, it's kind of like a signature of Donald Trump's presidency. In terms of action, he didn't really do much for it. He didn't back up his claims of anti-China sentiment or anything like that. He pretty much rolled over for China. He had banks there. Obviously, now financials have been leaked to him, linked to China through different bank accounts and stuff. So he's very money-oriented. It's very weird that actually Joe Biden is actually tougher on China. But if you ask the average American who is tougher on China, they would obviously say Donald Trump. I'm not a fan of either, by the way. I think Joe Biden is a senile, weird kind of deep state, neocon, hawkish, you know, weird kind of, not very, very establishment president. But in terms of China, he's kind of kept all the sort of trade uh, war, the trade barriers with China in place at Donald Trump. And he's even gone further, uh, especially in terms of their development of uh, semiconductor chips which obviously Taiwan dominates that market. China have been trying to get into that market or trying to be the main competitor for a long time now. But obviously the problem with China is they don't really develop many innovators. Their their society or education system is based on memorization, not so much on innovation. And so the problem of that is what we've got now is where they don't really have any way to um, build chips or build anything. Um, And now... America through Joe Biden has imposed an embargo on like trading or developing or research any sort of thing that can be, uh, benefit China in their semiconductor research and development has been banned um, including the import and export of goods needed and including researchers to work with China 
Um, a lot of the research has come from Taiwan, America, or different sort of progressive countries in Asia as well. have all been sort of banned from working with China for that, just to stall their development of chips, uh, semiconductor chips, which are needed in everything. So that's good. And I think, yeah, kudos to Joe Biden for standing up against China more blatantly, more brazenly, but also not making a huge show about it on the news like Donald Trump did, who actually did way less. He let the spy balloons fly over America four, three or four times. I can't remember, but it was it was a few times. Um, and also he was dealing with Chinese goods and stuff. He had his bank account still there and active and stuff anyway. Um, other big news recently was the sort of, I mean, I can't really report much on this. It's still very ongoing at the time of recording is the Syrian Turkish earthquake. Um, I mean, the only thing I have to say about it is really sad, I suppose, um, especially the northern Syrian situation. Um, the most damaged area is in the north of Syria, um, where it's rebel held still. There isn't much government infrastructure or government sort of aid going into that area. Um, so when you have this sort of uh, very cataclysmic earthquake, natural disaster, on top of all the problems they already have, um, it just makes for a very sad situation. So, yeah, um, I'm donating money. I'm going to put some list of charities in the show notes um, for this now if you want to donate anything. I think it will be appreciated to the people of Turkey and Syria. It's very sad. I don't really have much to say about it in terms of like opinions. It's an earthquake. It's sad. It sucks. Um, other things as well, which I kind of saw recently, which is kind of uh, funny or weird, was um, the chat GPT. Obviously, you've all probably heard of the chat GPT. Um, it's very, it's, it's everywhere. You kind of see it all over. It's uh, You basically type in prompts for it and it will just sort of, it will come up with these prompts. For example, if you want to say like type a song in the, you know, the style of David Attenborough's narration. Um, then they'll be very, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of do it. But the thing with the ChatGBT, which is very funny, is if you ask um, ChatGBT to speak anything bad about Joe Biden or, for example, Hunter Biden, can you ask, like, for example, you know, has Joe Biden ever done anything bad in government? Or uh, can you please explain to me the Hunter Biden laptop story, something like this? The ChatGBT will come up with... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We can't do this due to misinformation or something like this. It's a very, uh, I don't know. It just seems like a very weird thing to develop a robot that can do most things and then to tell them, oh, wait, they can't do this because um, because they can't. I don't know. It's like it seems very constricted and kind of, I don't know, a weird thing. I don't get why they do that. Um, obviously, this has fueled the right wing to be like, oh, okay. When AI takes over, AI is going to be a liberal, woke machine killing conservatives and stuff, which I don't think, um, you know, I don't think that's a, it's not a very productive thing to develop an AI model and then also tell it what it can and can't say based on very contemporary, very current political trends. Um, it should just be able to sort of uh, source anything from the web. I mean, all it's essentially doing is that. It's basically just sourcing everything from the web and then sort of um, <clears throat> rewriting it as its own prompts and stuff. It has a, a database of trillions of terabytes to draw on and just kind of puts words together. So it seems very weird that they're sort of restrictive on American politics of 2023. Seems like a stupid thing. Um, but the opposite side of that, you've got Dan, which is another... Um, AI talk bot. Um, it's kind of a so it's, it's apparently a jailbreak of ChatGPT, and it's a 
it's kind of like the you know the free speech version of chat chat gpt or something um which is kind of funny um but the thing with this is the conservatives have actually taken this and actually dan seems to be a lot better as a chat ai sort of um generator whatever you call it um ai chat generator than um than a uh, chat gpt i don't know i don't really there's much of a new story there but i think it's very weird that they would develop a very sophisticated very advanced model chat gpt and then it's also very restrictive on things like we can't talk about biden or hunter biden or spread misinformation or da 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 um because then it's kind of like if you're giving the power to that then to discern what is information and what is misinformation um you set a very dangerous precedent then for the future going forward even if i would agree with probably what they would discern as misinformation um i still think it's a dangerous precedent to give into a robot and to automate that a very instantaneous reply um yes you got dan which i definitely recommend checking out i'll put a link in the show notes there dan is the da- jailbreak of the chat gpt and it will do the free speech version of um it will basically bypass its ethical guidelines um and basically all it basically is doing is doing the opposite of chat gpt which is kind of funny because how stupid humans are you know like kind of we create something and then we have to create more like political like let's make it more political um politics really ruins sort of science i think sometimes with that sort of stuff you kind of got covid i think that was the start of the politicization of science i suppose or like what is misinformation what isn't um because there's very many things that came out in terms of covid you've got a huge spectrum of belief there from everything from the vaccines kill people to sort of mild conspiracies like it was lab leak the uhan lab leak theory um all of which like whatever the dominant political sort of narrative is at the time if it goes against that it's seen as disinformation which is very weird to have because i think science should be completely outside the realm of um uh, politics it should just be independent of itself and i think ChatGP is another sort of victim of this i don't really get the hype of it i've used ChatGPT. it's pretty cool i mean it does this but it is basically just sort of rehashing it's basically a plagiarism robot i think that's what noam chomsky called it which i completely agree with it just rehashes information that's already out there um and sort of uh regurgitates it back up to sort of the user but yeah interesting that it became political and interestingly had misinformation you can't talk about biden so then conservatives obviously made dan and all dan does is says the opposite of chat gpt so it basically does the opposite of a plagiarism robot so basically nothing it's sort of fake progress i think it's not really progress um what's funny about all this though is uh chat gpt if i'm not mistaken is funded by elon musk um let me just fact check that quickly but what's funny about that is um he's known as like the kind of i don't know he's like a political darling now i suppose um oh no he's not sorry it's not silicon the clever show okay so it started by elon musk founded startup open ai so it's not like he he had a huge sort of um it's not like he had a huge uh influence and his sort of coding and design and stuff it just started from a company that he founded um but yeah it's kind of funny that elon musk is seen as like the the darling boy of the conservatives and then also his startup then creates a um very politically correct very liberal um ai chatbot which has just drove them insane just that i typed that in then another headline on vice saying conservatives obsessed with getting chat gpt to say the n-word <laughs> how retarded we all are
Um, and yeah, I'll sort of just a last couple of points. I'll talk about some funny things I saw this week. Um, one being the IDW spazzing out. Now, the IDW, for those who don't know, is a uh, it was the intellectual dark web. Um, it consists of people like Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, uh, Dave Rubin, I suppose, the Weinstein brothers, Joe Rogan, I think maybe was linked to it. Uh, their basic thing was like, you know, we're the cool guys of academia. We're the ones that can say things that no one else will. Um, they all turn out to be lamos completely. Except for Sam Harris. I do quite like Sam Harris still. Uh, Joe Rogan, I'm, yeah, I kind of like Joe Rogan still. I think Rogan's kind of back now after COVID. He lost his mind during COVID for sure. Well, he didn't lose his mind. He just went really boring, I think. All he did was talk about COVID, which is really kind of long and annoying. Just, I think, COVID is like, who gives a fuck after a bit? Anyway, I'm digressing a lot. Um, but yeah, the IDW has been spazzing out. Uh, they were like a little civil war, basically. All against Sam Harris, which I think is hilarious, because he's actually the most sensible one. Um, the rest are all crazy, like the Weinstein brothers. Which one's Brett? I can't remember. It's Eric and Brett, is it? Brett and Eric. Eric Weinstein, I can't remember. One's like very anti-vax, and one just convolutes everything he says and makes it sound retarded. Um, he was on like Joe Rogan's podcast. He made a website called Pull It, Pull it Up Jamie. And Joe Rogan was just furious with him because he was like, bro, what the fuck? He meant to be like a serious academic. Um, but anyway, I'm going to talk about Dave Rubin, who's the spazziest one of them all. Um, it's kind of funny. But yeah, he's calling out Sam Harris, um, which is hilarious. He basically ends up sort of uh, projecting his things on it. Um, I'm just going to play a little clip here from his podcast. I found this on Reddit. Um, Obviously, I'll put the links in the show notes and stuff if you want to listen to yourself. Uh, but yeah, this is where he talks about Sam Harris, and you can hear the projection in his voice. Um, it's very it's very absurd. Many, many times for dinner, we went out to dinner many times. We used to hang out, all of these things. People have asked me repeatedly to comment on what's been going on with Sam Harris because he seems to have gone off the deep end, well, certainly related to Trump over the last couple of years and then some COVID stuff, and he said some crazy things about Hunter Biden. And I've barely touched on it, and it just keeps coming up. So I'm going to just do a little something up top here to just address it, and then hopefully I can kind of let it go because I don't sense that he's that relevant anymore or, he, or sort of wants to be that relevant in, in a bizarre sense. I don't even mean that as a jab. Go, go mindfully meditate yourself like it's all good uh but it's not just me that's noticing this uh at the beginning of jordan's appearance on the joe rogan experience the other day uh they mentioned the idw and for those of you that are a little late to the party the idw is the intellectual dark web it basically was this ragtag group of internet people and professors that all were coming together about five years ago that's enough there i can't really listen to me so annoying um but yeah uh, the thing that's funny about this is the way he's talking about how Sam Harris lost his mind over the Trump stuff and then the COVID stuff and says some crazy things about Hunter Biden. Um, I, I don't know. It seems really weird he's saying this because this is the exact sort of criticisms that has always been levied against Dave Rubin. For example, um, Trump, he, the Trump. I think before Trump, Dave Rubin was kind of seen more like impartial, kind of more fair and open. But then after Trump, after he got funded by like Prague University and all these conservative think tanks and stuff, he became way, 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 way more partisan and way more sort of towing the conservative line of Trump is good. The election was stolen. COVID is a hoax. Fauci created COVID. Da, 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 da. So I think it's very funny here that he's projecting about 
um, Sam Harris going crazy off this stuff when actually Sam Harris hasn't actually gone crazy about any of this stuff if you listen to Sam Harris he talks about Trump as basically a pathological liar who is dangerous to American democracy which was true he definitely set a weird precedent for the future with COVID he was kind of always like um, just looking at the science and facts as they were coming in he sort of put you know like when it was like the vaccine was it rushed he was like oh, i don't know maybe it's a bit rushed whatever uh but it wasn't rushed is uh, is it dangerous let's think about it. is it dangerous okay it doesn't seem to be that dangerous da, 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 da. um and then even the hunter biden thing he had a podcast recently i think with um barry weiss and stuff where they were talking exactly about the hunter biden thing um in detail about how it was very weird that the new york post reported on it but then papers like the new york times more sort of broadsheet papers um were banning the sort of publication of it citing misinformation and stuff even though it was proven to be true sam harris reported on all that very objectively very openly like this is really weird that there was a big news story concerning the president's son that was reported in the new york post and he basically got squashed and took off all these websites like twitter and stuff um as misinformation when actually it was all completely true um which the only thing sam harris hasn't done he hasn't badgered on about solely hunter biden um, as a huge scandal it is a scandal but it's not like the republicans don't have thousands of scandals too you get morons or retards like dave rubin who would talk endlessly about biden being a nonce or a pedo and stuff but never about the sort of weird creepy things that like people like matt gates is that his name matt gates um who did uh who was literally charged with trafficking and sort of stuff with minors and stuff um you've got loads of little pedos they're all bad as each other basically the sort of objective point to have everyone in a position of power got that position of power usually through dirty tactics and stuff um but yeah very weird very odd i don't really understand it i don't understand dave Rubin. i think he's a very moronic guy but what's funny about this he's kind of like uh picking off him as like a very like oh yeah fuck sam harris dude he's doing all this sort of stuff when actually every criticism he's saying there can be levied against him um, and just talking about it more often then we've got Peterson who also talks about Sam Harris I already find the clip there because it's kind of just the same point but he's just like Ruben kind of mentioned it there where he's like oh yeah Jordan Peterson so I'm doing a Jordan Peterson voice already um, Jordan Peterson was uh, on Joe Rogan he's basically like yeah man I still have hope for Sam I hope Sam comes back which again i kind of felt like was projecting again um sam harris is the most sort of level-headed if you ever watch the debate between jordan peterson and sam harris you see uh jordan peterson get eviscerated he has literally no no good comeback he's he's not very smart i think jordan peterson i think is best described i think it was nathan robinson who described him sort of the editor of current affairs as the stupid man smart person which i think is exactly it he like overcomplicates every point just throws in loads of like excessive vocabulary um, doesn't really have any points of his own, really toes the sort of uh, partisan line of conservative talking points and stuff. It's basically just rehashed like Jungian archetypes um, and like old school conservatism, like Christianity is cool, kids, clean your room, um, you know, don't protest, you know, be a slave, Catholicism's good, all this kind of stuff, um, <clears throat> which is all he's really done now. But on this same podcast, I'm still going to end with this clip, I think. Or, well, no, there's another clip I want to end with, a funny one. But on this podcast, he talks about his clinical license, his clinical psychology license being taken off him or being threatened to be taken off him. Um, which, I mean, his reasons for it or what he thinks the reasons for it are insane. So I'm just going to play the clip again. Um, and then after, I'll just talk about why it's insane. 
Well, it's your fault, actually. You know, I oh. told you, I think, a, well, a week or so ago when we talked about this. That, okay, so let me give you some background okay. here. So I want to know how it's my fault. I will. I'll tell you. Tell you. A lot of things are your fault, as it turns out. Oh, so, no. Yeah, yeah. So the, the College of Psychologists has basically levied what are equivalent to about 13 lawsuits against me simultaneously. Now, the reason I call them lawsuits is because there are actions undertaken on behalf of a complainant. Now, the complainant can be anyone anywhere in the world who complains about me for any reason. They don't have to be former clients. They don't even have to be anybody I've ever met. They don't even have to have met anybody I've ever met. So, you know... So it can be someone online. Okay, so stop there. That's that's true, I think. Like, when I was looking to it earlier, that does actually seem to be true, but... The thing he's sort of making that sound more dramatic isn't the fact that it's like, oh, you know, anyone can complain about me anyway, it doesn't matter this. It's more like if you're a clinical psychologist, you're held in a higher esteem. Same if you're a doctor or you're a medical professional of any kind, the gen you are owned in some way or at least um, accountable or held accountable for by the general public. Um, so it's true that you don't have to be necessarily a clinician, uh, sorry, a client of him, he doesn't have to be your clinician, so you can't levy complaints against him. But that's in order for sort of the general public can do that against doctors and everything like that. Just because they're held in such an important place in society. Same with teachers and stuff. If you got wind of a teacher being, for example, um, a bit weird, a bit creepy around minors or something, you as a member of the public can report them, you know? Um, same way if you see a doctor doing malpractice and you hear about a doctor say he's in a bar and he's talking about different things he does that is clear malpractice you can't do that you hear about it you can then um, levy charges against them about malpractice and stuff so the way he's framing it is he's more like oh this well he's going to do it in a minute but the woke mob is after me because I'm you know speaking the truth um, it's not necessarily that the general public can hold people like clinicians to account because they have such a very um, important job in society Anyway, I'll let this moron talk. Well, it is. All this is pretty much, all these complaints are someone online wrote their complaints despite that. So, which is really quite interesting. And what so, are the complaints? Well, okay, let, let's see. Uh, the, one complaint is about the tweet I made about Eleanor Elliot Page. And when I said that a criminal physician cut off her breasts and that pride was the sin, so now I'm in trouble again because I just said the same thing. One was about uh, Sports Illustrated cover, where they yeah. featured that overweight model, and I tweeted out, not beautiful, and um, I guess that was something like fat shaming. I don't remember exactly what the, what the, what the charge was. And then I criticized Justin Trudeau and a former staff member of Justin Trudeau and Jacinda Ardern. I made a joke about her. coming. I was going to New Zealand and the New Zealand leftist press was freaking out. And I made this joke about bringing my alt-right trolls to New Zealand. And, and then I put in parentheses, or maybe they're just, you know, ordinary people who are trying to clean up their rooms. So apparently that was casting the profession into disgrace. And then they submitted one complainant from the U.S., submitted the entire transcript of our last discussion so you know I don't know how to defend myself against that because apparently everything I say and apparently everything you say too is bringing the profession of psychology into disgrace and I think they're most upset in that case about uh, my comments about the inadequacy of climate models and so you know so yeah I'll just stop you there because it goes on for a while it just kind of Again, Jordan Peterson never arrives at a point. He always just talks again and again and again about the same thing. 
But what's weird here is this just complete lack of self-awareness. So just the first two things he mentions there with the Elliot Page and the uh, where he posts a picture of the overweight model on um, thing on Twitter and was like, not beautiful. First of all, very catty, very bitchy. He's like a 55-year-old man. Bro, chill the fuck out. Who cares? Like, yeah, the girl was fat, whatever. Um, but like, bro, you're like a 55-year-old man. Like, why are you such a catty little bitch about it? And same with the Elliot Page thing. Like, bro, just let her do what she wants. Like, or he do what she wants, whatever. Um, express yourself exactly how you want to express yourself. Again, this is a girl like half his age, or a boy, sorry, half his age, um, who is you know just looking how they want to look that's it um he's literally almost 60 years old and he acts like a little middle school girl like not beautiful Meh. the thing with this issue the lack of self-awareness i see here is for example a clinician psychology one of the most common um sort of mental disorders that people have especially young people is things like eating disorder uh, eating disorders and body dysmorphia now if i'm a soon-to-be patient of this clinician and i see his sort of uh, past behavior of basically being a little sissy catty bitchy girl of him being like man this is not beautiful now why would i feel comfortable talking about my issues with my body to a person like that who is clearly very judgmental on people's bodies um and has the need to remark about it which i think is clear you know he's not a very emotionally balanced person he's not a very sort of stable-minded person just from those comments like bro keep it to yourself you have to display or at least portray a um you know an objective persona listen to things just be yourself like don't have your opinion intercept everything you have to say and the last thing there he said about the climate models on the last joe rogan episode i didn't watch it but i saw the bit about climate is he literally does not understand climate change he does not understand it me who does not have any scientific background education or anything like that understands climate change a lot more than he does he doesn't understand that there's a scientific consensus on it that most scientists agree that climate change is happening it's caused by humans um and he doesn't understand the data that's presented he misrepresents the data so easily and so I'm not sure if he's, if there's two ways to do it. He, he's even misrepresenting the data on purpose, which is bad. It's not scientific. He's not a professional. Like, that's not how you do it. That is malpractice. Or he doesn't understand the data, which shows that he's a moron. He's not very intelligent. He doesn't get it. So, obviously, that would be a complaint because he's like, bro, is this guy even trained in science? Does he understand how data works? Does he understand how studies work? Does he understand how anything works like graphs and data sets or anything like that or is he just literally an ideological vassal that's getting funded by people like the Koch brothers and conservative think tanks around the world which completely then jeopardizes his like sort of um, impartial judgment as a clinician the impartial judgment he should have as a clinician because he has the power to you know subscribe people pills he has the power to like put people into cbt he has the power to section people if he wants um he's in that realm like and so if this person isn't displaying impartiality isn't displaying um sort of objectivity and just a clear rationale behind data sets and science then yeah he doesn't deserve to be a clinician and he literally lists all the points then it's absurd then obviously you've got comments here saying the woke mob are taking over um and i'm ashamed of what this country's become it's like bro 
He's literally admitted his three biggest mistakes, which as a person who isn't in clinician, isn't a psych, into psychology or a clinician, even I can see like, bro, yeah, if you had a body dysmorphia, eating disorders, etc., you wouldn't feel comfortable going to this man who's clearly a judgy, catty little bitch, doesn't really keep his opinions to himself. Very judgmental, clearly. Uh, which is the last thing you want from a psychologist is a judgmental person. Like, what the fuck, bro? Literally part of your job is to be not judgmental. And then, yeah, going on from that, like, if you don't understand climate change, which in the last Joe Rogan episode, I think it's the first 10 minutes for you want to check it out. He literally does not understand climate change. He, he misconstrues it. He misrepresents it. He explains it poorly, like he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the data and the studies that are behind it. He doesn't understand consensus anything like that scientific method methodology nothing he doesn't understand any of it so a person of that sort of um caliber of academia or uh, that esteemed as he's supposed to be can't understand simple shit like that then yeah he probably doesn't deserve to be a clinician i think his license should be revoked fuck him who gives a fuck about jordan peterson he's the lamest guy ever i think um yeah he's a stupid smart person if you like jordan peterson i'm sorry i mean i suppose actually when he came out he did staff pretty strong with the old testament the psychological significance of the Old Testament. That like series was pretty good. I actually liked that. Um, but then he quickly went down that kind of like Dave Rubin, IDW, um, conservative think tank funded, Daily Wire kind of rabbit hole and just got devoured, man. And also became addicted to benzos. Then went to Russia to be put into a medically induced coma in Russia. What the fuck? Um, so he could get off his benzo addiction. Insane. Insane person. Jesus Christ. He's insane. Anyway, last point, sort of a funny thing I've seen this week on Twitter. I'm just going to play it now. It's very cringy. It's hilarious. Um, it's about, for anyone who doesn't know, Lee Anderson. Lee Anderson is a UK conservative politician. Um, very, one of those politicians is very like a, kind of trying to copy the Trump model, kind of copy the Ron DeSantis copy the Ron DeSantis model the whole like anti-woke man culture wars they're after us free speech da, 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 da. even though England has a completely different climate on that stuff he is moronic but anyway so like he is basically going um he was door-to-door -door salesman and he was basically uh going around doors like door-to-door -door salesman sorry door-to-door -door campaigning um you know where they kind of go around like are oh, you gonna can i guarantee on your vote this year for the election da, da, da. you know all those boring things and basically during the thing um i don't know if you watch the video because it's fake anyway he knocks on many doors and they're all like yeah you've definitely got my vote lee jesus you're standing up for the issues that matter to me yep lee you're the man for me you know like a perfect thing daily mail are there recording and stuff um but the daily mail which is funny that he gets exposed by the daily mail because um it's uh you know they're a right-wing paper um and they're moronic but even they were like bro this is retarded um so yeah basically uh he goes to these doors he's basically campaigning like you know can i count on your vote can i get this can i get this and the daily mail are filming him and everyone's like yep yeah, lee you're the man you're the man that's gonna get things done you're wonderful and it looks just so perfectly orchestrated that they're like bro how how is this gonna happen and then basically this happens chance to tell me that because anderson was wearing one of our radio microphones we'd managed to record him setting up the apparently spontaneous doorstep encounter beforehand watch and listen you can just see anderson on the phone behind me 
No, but just make out you, you know, no, make out you know who I am. And then you know I'm the candidate, but not a friend. All right. Uh, I'm on staff car park. I'm a big long. Yeah. All right, but I'll see you in a minute. At the time, Anderson said the call was merely about campaign material. Right, better turn this off. Some leaflets have just come for me, so... In all my years filming elections, I've long suspected that certain candidates have set up friendly voters to make them look that much more popular. But this is the first time we've caught some candidate blatantly... So yeah, very embarrassing there. Uh, Lee Anderson is an absolute sausage. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, um, anyone in America or Germany and stuff, which seems to be a lot of my listeners from, interestingly, um, definitely Google Lee Anderson. Is your typical populist wannabe Trump sort of little prime um, politician? Um, and yeah, it's a very cringy sort of uh, intake. I just thought it was very funny that he got exposed so stupidly like that. And by the Daily Mail, who is a trash paper who normally always parrot the conservative talking points. So yeah, that's kind of the sausage of the week, I think. That's why I went to end on Lee Anderson. What a, what a maggot. Um, so yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, a lot of ramblings and rants there. I'll be releasing these weekly now, just to kind of keep updates on the channel as a whole, um, as a way for me to vent and rant and sort of keep sane in this very weird world we live in. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, check out the YouTube channel. Keep an eye on that. Uh, YouTube.com slash Haikoop. Check out my Twitter, Twitter.com slash Haikoop. And if you like or support or want to donate or anything, it's much appreciated. Um, for anything I'm doing, you can visit my Patreon or you can even just um, buy some mug on the website. Um, yep, yeah, I'll be posting the show notes on the website as well. That's Haikoop.weebly.com. I should be buying the domain soon, so it will just be highcoop.com. Um, probably highcoop.com by the time this is out, hopefully. And yep, yeah, thank you very much. Peace.